We're ready for the jury? Yes. Okay. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. All right, you can have a seat. And so just a reminder that you're still under oath, Mr. Depp, okay? All right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Honor. All right. <clears throat> Good morning, Mr. Depp. Good morning. Yesterday, you told us a little bit about the beginning of your relationship with Ms. Hurd. When did Ms. Hurd's behavior towards you begin to change? Um... I believe, as I said yesterday, there was a, a hint of something with the um, having to do with the boots coming off and breaking routine. Um, it, her her attitude or her, her, her um, the way that she would um, begin to uh, speak to me. Um, Things first things started coming up, and it was I was suddenly just wrong about everything. Um, if uh, I made a statement about something that I had been familiar with, for example, in in my work that I that I'd been uh, chopping away at for a good thirty some years, um, I was suddenly wrong. And um, then beyond that, if you try to um, explain yourself and correct um, the, the, the problem, the, the misunderstanding, it would then uh, begin to heighten um, as uh, Ms. Hurd was uh, unable to be wrong. It, it just didn't happen. She couldn't be wrong. Um, so these little digs um, and uh, there would, it would commence with sort of demeaning, name-calling, uh, 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 berated, sort of to be made a fool of, um, and those would escalate into uh, a full-scale argument. And in the beginning, as uh, one does, one sticks up for oneself in a, in a debate, as it were, or an argument over something to try to prove the point. But when it escalates and then it's hard to explain, but the, the argument would start here, and then it would roll around and become this circular thing of its own. So you get back to the beginning, essentially, of the argument. Now it's heightened even more, but it's still circular, and there's no way in or out. You, if, if, if there's a dialogue between two people, um, both people need to speak, but there was no there was no way to fit a word in. 
it was a, it was a, a sort of a rapid fire, um, sort of endless uh, parade of um, insults and uh, you, you know looking at me like I was uh, a fool, and I, I just couldn't. I, I was I was I was having difficulty in my mind, of course, and in my heart, dealing uh, with that sort of um, barrage. Um, and part, part of that is, I, I just, I was confused as to the fact that whatever her age was at the time of these various arguments, she was mid-20s to late-20s and into the 30s, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't understand how I had somehow, somehow gotten, arrived at where I'd arrived from where I came from in the beginning of my life and worked for 30 plus years um, doing these things. I, I, it was astounding how wrong I was about everything that I'd experienced um, within the movie, within the film industry, or within well, in just life itself. Uh, no, I, 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 I was sort of not allowed to be right, not allowed to have a voice. So at a certain point, when that, when, when what enters your mind is, you start to slowly realize that you are in a relationship with your mother, in a sense. And I know that that sounds perverse and obtuse, but, but the, the fact is that some people search for weaknesses in people, and that is to say, sensitivities. Um, and when you've told that person your, your life um, and what you've lived through, what you've been through, just as happens in relationships, um, the more that became uh, ammunition for Ms. Hurt to, um, to uh, either verbally uh, decimate me or or to um, send me into a kind of tailspin of confusion and d depression and, um, uh, and, 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 and well, it's, it's, it's not a happy day. It's not a happy week. It's not a happy month when you're constantly being told how wrong you are about this or that, what an idiot you are. Um, or, 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 or anything, it, it, it just, uh, it, then, it, then it increased, increased, and it became an endless, um, it, it became an endless, that endless circle. Like, so as it escalated and continued to escalate, I went straight to what I had learned as a youth, which was to remove myself from the situation so that it couldn't continue, because there's only so much your ears can hear and never forget. Um, so I would remove myself from the situation as I'd done as a youth um, as much as possible. Um, because I, 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 I just, I certainly didn't believe that there was any need for these various subjects or arguments to come up and, and um, travel the distance that they did so very quickly 
to ramp up so fast. Um, it was like you were pinned to a wall and had to just listen to it and take it. Um, so I found the only way to find any sort of peace was to uh, try to walk away. If, if uh, she didn't allow me to walk away, um, there were times when um, I would I, I would just go and lock myself in, uh, you know, the bathroom or anywhere that she couldn't get into, um, and that that happened uh, constantly uh, over the years. What would happen when the fights would escalate, other than going and hiding in the bathroom? I'm sorry. What would happen? Well, if 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 they continued to escalate, um, if I continued to to try to. Um, present my my version or my side of the story. Um, when you when you when you're approached in in a um, in a kind of um, well, when you're approached with such uh, anger and hatred, it seemed like pure hatred for me. Um, if I stayed to argue that, eventually I, I was sure that it was going to escalate into violence, and oftentimes it did. Many times it did. And when you say violence, what are you referring to specifically? Um, Miss Heard, in her frustration and in her rage and her anger, she would uh, strike out. She would, it, it could begin with a slap, it could begin with a, a shove, um, it could begin with, you know, throwing a TV remote at my head, it could be, throwing a glass of wine in my face um, but, but it, all in all it was a, it was just a um, it was a constant uh, it was there was a, a built-in list of of um, as I said m my personal experiences which I gave to miss Heard, those those things were those 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 facts were used against me um, as, as weapons, um, especially when it, you know, when it came to my kids. Um, so, 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 yeah, I, I did, I, there was no need for it. It just, there was no need for it. it, it too many lines were crossed. You, could, it was, you couldn't see the lines anymore. You mentioned that Miss um, Heard would use information you gave her against you like a weapon. Can you explain that a little bit? Um, I mean, I've, I've said this before in various interviews, but certainly in life, um, my, if I have one ambition, and ambition for me, um, when you equate it with Hollywood, has become a very, has become a, an ugly word in, in a sense, because ambition, ambition means I want to be famous at any cost. I don't care what for, I just want to be famous. That's one thing, that's one uh, part of it. If you have a hunger or a need or a drive to, to present your work, um, that, that to me is, is uh, the, the way to go about it. Fame has nothing to do with it. So I was more, I mean, basically, the only, the only ambition that I've ever had in my life 
came, arrived the second that my first child arrived, in the second, in the instant, which was to be a good parent, to be a, to be a great father, to be the best father I could. And um, there were several occasions where Miss Heard would, um, would tell me what a bad father I was um, and that I had no idea how to parent. Um, and again, it falls into the same category as before. I couldn't understand how in 52 years or however old I was at the time, how I could be so wrong about everything. I, I, I mean, I, one learns along the road. The result is, the result of the road is not important. It's, it's the road that's important because we don't know exactly what any, what's going to happen in 10 years. We don't know. So the road is what I pay attention to and paying attention to try, trying to spend as much time with my children uh, as possible. Um, even that, even that would, uh, that could send this herd into a, a monumental tailspin um, where I could, I could hardly ever go and see my kids and spend time with my kids because she had to have me there at all times for her own needs. So and I, I, that was something that once you realize that that's happening and then there are hassles between the children and her, the situation starts to get a little more grim and a little more dire. And um, that I was not prepared to uh, take. I would not hear the words, you're a bad father, you're a terrible father, you're an awful father. So one can only take so much of that before bits of your brain start to just, bits of your brain, bits of your heart begin to, the valve gets shut off because you can't hear it anymore. And, and you know that it's not true. And you know that it's meant as a weapon. It's just to, it's to slice you up. It's to bring you down. It's to demean you. It's to bring you into a place where you start to believe that there's something wrong with you. And um, there's plenty wrong with me. There's plenty wrong with a lot of people. But in all of these uh, situations, my main goal was to retreat because I think in life, most important is pick your battles. If, if there's a battle to be fought that it's grave and important, then that must be dealt with. But small insults and kind of teenage of high school tactics, um, this bullying, if you will, was um, becoming too much to take. So why did you stay with Ms. Hur given this type of behavior? That's a very complicated answer. I, I would, I can only say that I stayed through all that. I'm sure that it's somehow related to my father um, remaining stoic as my mother would beat him to death. Um, I'm sure it had a lot to do with 
having been in a beautiful, wonderful 14, 15 year relationship with Vanessa, the mother of my children, raising those kids was, there, there was, I had no interest in being a, you know, the words that they use that I, I dislike very much, um, a celebrity or an entertainer or a, fame is a strange word because I could never equate it with myself. I pumped gas, I worked construction, I, I uh, printed t-shirts, I dug in, you know, I had many, many jobs before any of this happened to me. So I've been able to live both sides of that life, of, 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 of life. I, I know the, the very lows and I know the very highs of, um, of where my life has gone. And I, it's not, I don't, I don't, Again, it would be pure idiocy for me to sit up here uh, as, a, as an actor who has been very, very fortunate uh, over the years. And I can only say it's, it's luck in a sense that someone hands you the ball in the beginning and you run with it. And you run as far as you can before you get tackled. Um, so I, that's, that's um, what I've always done. But what happens is the word, when the word celebrity, or, or uh, you, when you are a, what do they call it, a uh, public, a public figure, that's what it is, a celebrity or a public figure, um, again, not complaining, but there are things that, that are very uncomfortable, and that is to say that at that point, anybody can say anything they want to about you. And that's happened to me over 36 years or more, that uh, things can be printed in the newspaper that are utterly false. And this is even early on. So this is where that, that privilege, I suppose, that they call the privilege of celebrity, that's, that's where that um, sticks a knife in you. Um, because it's one of those... Uh, it's one of those situations where your arms are too short to box with God, you know. Uh, there are too many of them coming at you. Um, so, the, the, yes, uh, I, don't, I don't know what her motivations were, if there were, if there were some species of jealousy or, or there were some species of maybe just, maybe just hatred. I don't know. Um, but in any case, the elevation and the escalation of these of these day-to-day -day arguments were um, simply unnecessary. It was, it was not to help the relationship. It did not help the relationship. It wasn't meant to help the relationship. It was meant to feed her um, need for conflict. She has a need for conflict. She has a need for violence. It erupts out of nowhere, and uh, what I learned, the only thing I learned to do with it is exactly what I did as a child. Retreat, just take a step back, which I told her, we need to remove ourselves from each other, even for an hour, a day, anything. Because this, th this can't go on. No one can live like this, you know. But why did I stay? I stayed, I suppose, because my father stayed. I suppose because I had been in that relationship with Vanessa and that was lost, and I didn't, I didn't want to, 
I didn't want to fail. I wanted to try to make it work. I thought maybe I could help her. I thought maybe I could bring her around. Because the Amber Heard that I knew for the first year, year and a half, was not this, was not this, um, suddenly this um, opponent. It, 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 it wasn't my girl, it was, it was, she had become my opponent and everything that I did just didn't fit her. Um, it, it wasn't, she didn't accept it. Uh, so I stayed because of course I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to, I didn't want to hurt anyone, especially Miss Heard. I didn't want to <clears throat> break her heart. I, I remember very well that when my father left and my mother, um, Betty Sue, had uh, that first attempt at suicide that I woke up to and that visual in my head and that was a direct result of my father's um, leaving. Um, Ms. Hurd had spoken of uh, suicide on a couple of occasions, so that also becomes a factor. It, it, that's, that's also something that, that always lives in the back of your brain and uh, you, that you fear. Because when I would leave sometimes, I mean, well, many times when I would try to leave, she would you know, stop me at the elevator with the security guards crying, screaming, you know, I can't live without you. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to die. But you had to get out. There were even a couple of times when I did escape and I got to my house, arrived at my house in Switzer. And then five minutes later, she would arrive in the, in, in the I don't know what car she was driving at the time, but um, she would arrive in her nightgown screaming in the parking lot in front of in front of my house uh screaming to high heavens and it'd be four in the morning three in the morning it was ludicrous it was it was uh it was out of control it was uncontrollable did there come a time when you and miss heard started recording your um arguments uh, yes the the um in fact it was it was uh i was i was the first uh, person of the two of us to to uh, record conversations. And it was for this reason. She would, she would, we would have been talking the night before or arguing the night before, and she would say something. There would be these, again, these, these demeaning, berating insults. There would be these, these, these jabs. There would be anything to make me feel small and, uh, and like nothing. Um, so what I thought was, I'm going to record the conversation. And I told her this. I'm going to record. I'm going to get my phone and I'm going to record our conversation. Because I want you to hear what you've said to me tomorrow. So Because she would deny having said those things. What are you talking about? You know, it was, it was surreal. She had completely denied things she'd said directly to my face in a heated and volatile way. And she denied it. So I went to her and I said, I'm going to record us. And I did. And we re recorded the uh, conversation, which uh, when she was on tape, uh, it, 
the first time, it wouldn't, it, it escalated a bit, but she was, well, it was clear that she was performing for the tape because it was being recorded. So that was a, another clue that something was slightly rotten in the state of Denmark, as it were. What did Ms. Hurd say to you about you recording the, the conversations between you and her? I mean, initially she said, sure, go ahead. Did that ever change? No, then uh, she, she, um, then she started recording, but um, surreptitious, um, without, without saying, without telling me that she was recording something, which is fine, but not so fine, if you if you know what I mean. Um, even in those tapes, I don't, I don't. There's. It never took me to a place where I would um, go s switch into some other entity, which is, as she has used the term monster, never switched to um, violence. Violence was unnecessary. Um, why would you hit someone to make them agree with you? I don't think it works. Mr. Depp, you mentioned the term monster, and I think we heard about that in the opening mm -hmm. statements. What, yes. what does the term monster mean to you? Well, the, ter the, the, the term monster means to me, um, you know, in the beginning, uh, she had used a different um, word to explain the same thing, and she, she uh, would use the word demon demons, that my demons were coming out, that she had noticed that there was a great change in my attitude or my um, uh, aggressiveness, aggressive nature. Or she would, would, would um, say that the demons had come out and they had control of me and that sort of thing. Um, I don't remember exactly how monster came out, but that word stuck and it stayed, well, until this day. Um, what I believe the monster was in Ms. Hurd's mind was her intense, in, Project intense. Your own, um, his belief about what monster meant in Ms. Hurd's mind is Sorry. relevant. There's no foundation. Let me ask a different right. question. I'll sustain the objection. Go ahead. When you use the term monster, what were you referring to in your conversations with Ms. Hurd? When I used the term monster with Ms. Hurd, I was placating if I, if if she had referred to me as being a monster there was no way that I was going to sit there and go through a 45 minute argument about you know you're a monster no I'm not you're a monster no I'm not you're a monster no I'm not it, 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 it was it was an impossibility so what do you do you accept her vernacular you accept what the word that she uses, and then you use that word to, to uh, placate her so that it would at least calm part of the, part of the aggression. It would, it would lessen the uh, attacks, you know. So explaining the monster was, for me, 
um, I mean, she, 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 she had told me many times that the monster was, was only me when I was uh, using drugs and, and, and alcohol. Um, but it, even when I was uh, stone cold sober off of alcohol um, and uh, substances aside from my meds, the term the monster was still there. When she uh, accused, be, accused me of being uh, high on cocaine or, um, uh, you know, drinking like a, you know, some sort of, um, like you know, drinking like, like, like I was, a, you know, some kind of 19th century sailor, it, it's, uh, that 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 was the word she clung to to describe, but um, it was in her mind, not mine. How did your relationship with Miss Heard affect your substance use? Well, for example, when we were on the road, you know, when you're traveling from, uh, if you're on a press tour, or if you're making a film and you're staying in a, uh, hotels or this or that. Um, I would always have to get a different, or we would always have to book an extra room that I was able to escape to, so I didn't have to lock myself in another bathroom. Um, it breaks you down. It, it, the constant haranguing breaks you down. And you know, there's a part of you that says, listen, if I'm going to be accused of this, might as well just do it. But it never exceeded, it, it, it never, my substance abuse or use, the alcohol that I uh, used or drank uh, was, again, purely, it's, it's that little boy who didn't want to hear or didn't want to feel the pain of his uh, mother turning him into some kind of um, ball of insecurity and pain. So, yes, uh, I was more inspired by Miss Heard to reach out for a numbing agent um, because of the because of the constant uh, clashes, because of the, there wasn't, there was, I mean, maybe a few days here and there, but there wasn't a day that you'd wake up and you'd expect something was gonna hit the fan and it, pretty much like clockwork, it did. So yes, I, I had to have something to distance me and distance my my heart from those verbal uh, attacks. I, I had to have something to to be able to maintain me, and I'm afraid for a while because of because of placation, um, because I didn't want to rock the boat, as it were. Again, you pick your battles, so. Placation seemed 
um, the best route if I was unable to escape her clutches. How, if at all, did Ms. Hurd try to support you in abstaining from the drugs and alcohol as she requested? Well, I mean, verbally, uh, and she had been quite clear verbally as, as, as uh, and then been pretty bullish and brutish about um, wanting me to, uh, telling me that I needed to stop drinking. But drinking was, basically drinking wine with her um, and I, I, for some, I suppose, maybe from youth, I don't know, but I, I've always had um, a pretty high tolerance for alcohol, for, and especially it's not spirits, you know. Um, I, I, I had a t pretty good tolerance for alcohol substances and things of that nature, uh, but there, there was no, I, I had no, I've worked with, I've worked with therapists, um, drug um, counselors who have actually said the words to me because I wanted to know, I wanted to know, am I, am I an alcoholic? Am I an alcoholic or is this just the same thing that I did as a kid when I took my mom's nerve pill? Um, do I have a drinking problem? And It essentially came down to this. Do you have a drinking problem, Johnny? Objection. Calls for hearsay. What the doctors told him. I'm not sure he's saying what the doctors told him. I think that's what's about to be testified to. Oh, if you can, if you can make that clear, I guess. Um, let, let me ask you a different question, Mr. Depp. Um, yes. Let's let him object to another one. <laughs> um, how often would Miss Heard drink in your presence while you were in a relationship? Always. Well. Yeah, uh, Ms. Hurd drank, a, she took a shine to a very nice Spanish wine called Vega Cecilia. She and all her friends did. Um, and um, yeah, the wine would, would come out and uh, Ms. Hurd could uh, very easily drink two bottles of wine per night. Well, not a, not a problem. Um, what I found strange was when I did, um, did get sober from, from the, uh, well, I was off the, um, the opiates that I had, that I had been addicted to prior, prior to a year or so before, a couple of years before, um, she asked me if I would stop drinking to save the relationship. Of course, I stopped drinking. And um, I always found it odd that in support of me not drinking, um, that she might stop drinking. Uh, but she did not. She continued. And I, I didn't make a big deal about it. In fact, I would open her, I would open her wine, I would pour her a glass, and that went on for many, many months, you know, in, in my sobriety. Uh, like I said, I think I was sober for around 18 months. Um, then 
there was a time when I was asked to, and I'd been off off of alcohol, I'd been off of drugs, everything, uh, except for the med medication um, that I'm prescribed. Uh, I, w I had to go to London to give um, a Lifetime Achievement Award to a, a dear old friend who was an elderly man, a great actor called, uh, his name's Christopher Lee, and he was a dear friend. And I was surprised, he was being surprised by my showing up on stage. I'd just flown in from the States, and he was, so he was surprised by me arriving uh, to give him this award. And Christopher um, came up and accepted the award. And we walked, they put, brought us backstage to a, a this beautiful library where we, uh, the, I was with Christopher and his wife, and a, a waiter came up and had three glasses of champagne. And Christopher handed one to his wife, he handed one to me, and then he had the other. And uh, there was a photographer there. And the, to you know, the glass came up to toast. And I, and I just, in my head, I thought, it's just champagne, you know, a little bit tink to toast Christopher and his Lifetime Achievement Award. And so I've had half a glass of champagne with Christopher Lee and his wife. Um, after that, immediately after that award ceremony, um, I went to pick up Masoud and uh, take her to dinner um, at a restaurant. And I told her that I'd had a half a glass of champagne with Christopher. And I thought, listen, it, it, it's, it's not like, you know, you're sitting in a pub guzzling pints of snake bites or Guinness or doing shots of Jägermeister or it wasn't even, at that point, it wasn't even for need to bury feelings or emotions. It was literally a joyous occasion for Christopher. And I said to her, I, I, I enjoyed it, you know. It gave me the opportunity to enjoy the, the actual champagne, the, 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 the drink. And... The, and my appreciation for wine and winemaking and that I've been fascinated with for years and years. And I saw nothing wrong in it. And I said, I'd, I'd like to have a glass of champagne. And she was sitting there with a glass of wine. And she, we were in the restaurant and she absolutely lost it and got up and stormed to the ladies' room. And I told my security and driver, I said, uh, I think we have to go. We're going to have to leave. So we left the restaurant and uh, went home. And the mere suggestion of me sipping a glass of champagne or having one glass or two glasses of wine, she, she wanted apoplectic. She, 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 it was, uh, I was weak. Uh, uh, I was a complete mess. I was an alcoholic. I was, you know, I was going to uh, ruin everything. My, you know, your kids. Your kids are not proud of you. They, they can't stand what you're doing to yourself. So at that point, I said to her, OK, listen, how about this? You want, to, you want to support me not drinking? I've never asked you this before. How about you stop drinking? How about you get sobriety and share this sobriety with me to support me and help me through this? What did she say to that? No. No. <laughs> She said, no. She said she didn't have a problem. 
but I, I've never had a physical addiction to alcohol. I don't. How often have you seen Ms. Heard use other illicit drugs in your presence? Several, uh, several times. And what drugs were those? Um, well, uh, she was always quite fond of MDMA, which is, which is ecstasy. Um, and uh, mushrooms. Um, and she had some medications that she, 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 she was on already that were, uh, one in particular was quite a high velocity um, speed, if you will. Cold, to, I don't know if I can say the name, am I allowed to say the name? It doesn't matter. That's not necessary. Um, what, um, how often did you see Ms. Hurd take MDMA? Well, I don't a dozen times, uh, 20 times, I don't know. Over the course of the years, during the course of the years. And what about um, mushrooms? Um, mushrooms a little less. Mushrooms probably six, seven times. Mr. Depp, do you recall at the beginning of her opening, uh, Ms. Hurd's counsel mentioned that the first time you supposedly struck Ms. Hurd was in response to a comment about one of your tattoos? Yes, okay. I remember. And what is your response to that? <laughs> it, it, didn't, it, it didn't happen. I, I've never struck Ms. Hurd. As I said yesterday, I've never struck Ms. Hurd. Um, I've never struck a woman in my life. Um, I'm certainly not going to strike a woman if she decides to make fun of a tattoo that I have on my body. It's like going in into someone's journal and picking out uh, things you don't like. She had made mention, uh, there was no incident of, of, of Argument when she, when the tattoo thing has been had been brought up many many times and I mean, there's really nothing I can do. My, I've always thought of my body as a as a journal, if you will, to 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 mark experiences, to mark life experiences. As, you know, for example, when you're when my first child was born, I, I had her name tattooed um, on my over my heart, which is where her little head used to be when I rock her to sleep. Um, I, I marked my boy's birth by uh, tattooing myself for him. So um, no one can go back or no one should go back and rewrite their journals. Why would I take such great offense to someone making fun of a, a tattoo uh, on my body? It, uh, it, that, 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 that allegation never made any sense to me whatsoever. Are there any tattoos that you had that Ms. Hurd had an issue with, to your understanding? Um, well, the um, what a, a tattoo that I believe is up here. Uh... All right, I'm going to try to explain this to you guys one time because I see a lot of questions about whether this is live. The trial is on break right now. The trial will resume on May 16, so the whole next week, there won't be any trial. 
we finished the trial didn't well the trial is still ongoing but yesterday we finished with the direct examination of amber heard what i'm doing in this video is i'm replaying a key portion of johnny depp's testimony several days ago i think about 10 days ago so that we can reevaluate it based on all of the things that happened since he testified that's what this video is about it is a live video in the sense that this is live i'm here live i'm talking to you live the chat is live but i'm replaying prior testimony from the trial i hope you understand and if other people are asking questions on the chat please let them know and i also put a comment about that in the description so it's clear for everybody okay thanks let's resume watching which used to say, uh, Winona Forever, who was a former girlfriend. And um, we'd been together for a few years, um, Winona Ryder. And uh, when, we, when, when we broke up, um, how do you fix that? <laughs> I did go back and re rewrite my journal to some degree. I, I took off the last two letters um, and had it say, Wino Forever. Um, just because I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, f again, through pain comes humor. You, humor has to come in there at some point into the pain. And that's how you play it out in your mind. So I, I have, uh, I think sometimes abstractly, uh, in that sense, so I changed it to Wino Forever. Um, um, any other tattoos? Um, um, well, she was, she was very encouraging um, in, in, in me getting a, um, a tattoo of, of, of her, of her name, or whatever, and uh, I waited a while, and then I, yes, I did it. I got a full tattoo of her, and it uh, ironically wasn't long after that that the um, that everything started going sideways. I, I was doing anything I could to bring a smile to her face, as opposed to the frown and then the onslaught of whatever um, whatever problems she 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 she, she was seeing or experiencing um i i even I, I i would try to wake her up with laughter um you know singing stupid songs in her ear while she you know, i i generally just tried to keep bringing her mood up sometimes it worked many times it didn't um but I, I, I tried, and I wanted to try, because as I said, I didn't want to fail. And at the time, not knowing fully, not understanding fully what I was, if you'll excuse the term, up against, um, I kept trying. I, I kept trying, but uh, to no avail whatsoever. It just got worse. Mr. Depp, I'd like to... Fast forward a little bit to May of 2014. 
Um, could you please tell the jury what project you were working on in May of 2014? May of 2014? May of 2014, I, 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 I'm, there, were, there were a number of films that I made in succession. I, I, I can't remember if that might have been Pirates, no, I can't, uh, uh, Mordecai or, um, May of, I don't remember what, what can, can you remind me what May of 2014 film was? Were you filming Black Mass in Boston of May of 2014? Ah, yes, okay, yes, yes, excuse me, yes, 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 oh, yes, I was, uh, I was filming Black, a film called Black Mass in, in, in Boston, and, um, Mr. did come with me, um, um, and I had to, for the film I had to, there was there were very early calls to work because I was I had a, a number of prosthetics uh, glued to my face and uh, blue contacts, um, so so that I could resemble the the, the actual. It was based on the true story of uh, James Bulger, James Whitey Bulger, and so I had a, I had to go in quite early to get the prosthetics glued to my face and all that and uh, work. Then you'd work you know, the whole day, and then at the end of the night, uh, they, uh, they would remove the, the prosthetics, which takes, a, if it took three hours to put them on, it took about an hour to take them off. You know? So on top of a, what could be a, anywhere between a 14, 16, 17 hour day of work, you know, um, what with the application of the, of the makeup and then the taking off of the um, applications. Was Miss Hurd staying with you in Boston during the entire time that you were making that film? Yes. Yes, she was. And who from your staff was in Boston with you during that time? Jerry Judge. Uh, Keenan Wyatt, Stephen Duders. Nathan Holmes, I believe. Um, and I believe Malcolm Connolly was there as well. So we have um, assistants, sound technician, um, security. I believe, I believe that was it. Mr. Depp, we heard yesterday from Mr. Wyatt about a flight that you and Mr. Wyatt and Ms. Hurd were on from Boston to LA in March, excuse me, May 2014. Do you remember that? Yes. And could you please tell the jury what you remember about that specific flight? Um, I remember that as I was still shooting, filming Black Mass, um, before, I, before I did Black Mass, the film, um, my sister, Christy, um, and I were talking about the, um, the Roxy Codones that I had been, again, you know, that, that was the monkey on my back, uh, that she, she came to me, she told me she'd read this book, of uh, Dr. Kipper's book, and uh, I read uh, Dr. Kipper's book, a good majority of it, and um, I agreed that I would uh, do the detox, I would kick the, uh, the opiates, but there was no time to do it before the film. 
Um, so uh, when when the nurse, uh, which was Nurse Debbie Lloyd, when she came to Boston, um, she she had asked me, uh, "What is your dosage? What are you? How many of these are you taking per day?" And you know, someone who had been under uh, you know, under the kind of lock and key of, of, of a prescription drug that is highly, highly addictive. I mean, with built-in barbs, that, this drug does not want you to stop taking it. Um, she asked me how, how many I took per, per day or my dosage. And, of course, as, as, as any uh, person who is addicted and um, essentially a, uh, a fool to the drug. And you know how important it is because you have felt the sting when it doesn't, when you don't have it. So I'd agreed, I'd agreed to the um, detox. And I'd, she asked me how many I, I took. I told her, obviously, more than I was taking, purely because when you're in that frame of mind, the one thing that you do not want to, a situation you don't want to find yourself in, is having no access to the thing that will make you, not high, it will make you, it gets you, you only get better from it. If you start to get the, 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 the shakes and the tremors and the, uh, the, you know, you could feel this, traveling into your system, your, your, your um, receptors are out in mass and your receptors are demanding that drug. If you, if you don't give the drug to the, to the receptors, you're gonna, you will start going into a pretty nasty withdrawal and, um, and it could, uh, which, you know, could, uh, and has ended in, you know, sort of seizures. You, could, you, you can go into pretty nasty seizures. So um, I had told Debbie Lloyd uh, more than was necessary so that I could always have one or two in my pocket on the just-in-case so I didn't find myself, you know, on a plane or anywhere without one in my pocket to stop the, the inevitable uh, body cramps and nausea and, and, and stomach cramps and seizure of the bones and shaking and and also the it's quite an emotional ride as well so yes i, I uh, before the flight um amber and her assistant savannah mcmillan wanted to be uh picked up in new york and then have the plane fly to boston to pick me up to bring us back to Los Angeles. Uh, um, we had spoken the night before. We had argued the night before. Um, she was most definitely um, looking for a, she was looking for a fight, um, actively searching for a way to instigate a fight with me. Um, and I had taken two of these um, opiates, these roxycodones, um, and I can I can tell you now, 
some of you may be very well aware of this, opiates um, are extreme downers. So if you have enough opiates in you, you will essentially go on what's called the nod. You'll just drop into sleep. So I've heard, I've heard the words blackout used, and um, there's a grave difference between a blackout um, from, from, from um, uh, alcohol abuse, because that is a person who has, 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 has inge ingested enough alcohol um, to render them, um, they, they can still behave and they can still stand and talk and scream and yell and cry and do whatever they do um, and never remember a thing. Um, and generally they're always embarrassed by it. A blackout is a very, very different animal to um, the opiate taking you into dreamland. So when I arrived on the plane, uh, I was not feeling any pain, and I knew that she was ready for a, some kind of brawl, and I, uh, I sat on the plane drawing. I was drawing in my notebook. Um, she would verbally heckle, hassle, accuse, uh, poke, prod physically, you know, poke, poke and prod psychologically, emotionally, it just, and, and, and finally, you know, as was my, uh, the one thing I learned, if you're gonna hide someplace from somebody, go straight into the bathroom. So I walked back into the back of the plane, um, I grabbed a pillow, and I went into the bathroom, locked the door, and lay down on the bathroom floor and went to sleep. And that's where I remained for the rest of the flight. How much, if any, alcohol had you had before you got on the flight? I, I honestly don't recall having any alcohol. I mean, maybe there was the sort of glass of champagne when you got on the, on the plane or something like that, the initial thing, you know, people order glasses of wine. People also tend to, to uh, have a few drinks before a plane takes off because some people don't like the turbulence and the this and the that. So it's a little bit of a liquid courage, you know. Um, but I, 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 I certainly, after, after ingesting two of the roxycodones, um, alcohol was not necessary. So I, I, I can tell you now that I was not drinking uh, to excess, certainly not. I and mean, if I had, I'd probably been in the bathroom hugging porcelain as opposed to sleeping on a pillow. Who else was on that flight that you can recall? Um, I remember Jerry Judge was on the flight. Savannah was on the flight. Ms. Heard. Keenan Wyatt. Stephen Duders. I believe that's it. What do you recall happening after you arrived back in LA?
go back to the same home together after that flight? Uh, no, I don't believe, no, we didn't. I don't believe we did. I think she had decided if, if this is the time, pretty sure. I believe she had decided to check herself into the Chateau Marmont. If that, there's so many of these, it's hard, it's hard to sort of keep them all straight. Who would have paid for Ms. Heard to stay at the Chateau Marmont? Um, I'm, I'm, I would have paid for it. Um, if she wanted to go to the Chateau Marmont, I wasn't going to let her pay for it, no matter the circumstances. I wasn't going to let her pay for it because I knew that that might get expensive for, for her. So generally, I, uh, I, would, uh, I would take care of things of that nature. And why did Miss Heard tell you why she was staying at the Chateau Marmont? No. Well, I, I mean, she was, she was clearly upset and she was uh, irate. Um, and uh, I, I can't say that it was a bad idea for her to stay at the Chateau Marmont at that time. I don't know why she went to the Chateau since she still had her apartment on Orange, I believe, and the penthouse. Because I, I could have gone to Switzer, but she went to the Chateau Marmont. Mr. Depp, do you recall why you were flying from Boston to L.A. in May 2014? I can't remember if it was a break from the film or if I had finished the film. And that was before we went, um, well, before I was supposed to go to the island to, uh, to, um, the, to detox from, from the... Uh, Opiates. I think it's is that I'm going to have to switch gears, okay, so this that's, is a good time for a break. All right. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll go ahead and have our morning recess. Please do not do any outside research and don't talk to anybody about the case, and we'll see you in 15 minutes, okay? Thank you. Thank you. He's seated. Thank you. All right, your next question. Thank you. <clears throat> Mr. Depp, who's Dr. Kipper? Uh, Dr. Kipper is a, um, uh, he's, he's been my doctor uh, since, ever since I'd uh, met him in, I believe it was that May of 2014, around, around there in, uh, in Boston. And why were you connected with Dr. Kipper? Um, my sister, Christy, uh, knew, of course, that I um, had, had been um, 
addicted to the to the uh, the opiates, and uh, she was concerned, and she brought me his book, and uh, talked to me heart to heart, and asked me if I would be willing to um, go through the the detox. And what was your answer? Yes, of course. And you mentioned um, Debbie Lloyd. Can you please explain to the jury who she is? Oh, uh, De Debbie, Debbie Lloyd is a, a is a, n a nurse um, who my doctor, Doctor Kipper, had assigned to uh, to my case to to be the uh, um, to, to oversee um, the detox and uh, uh, deliver the the meds, the medications to me that would help with my. Uh, with the the uh, the effects of withdrawal that that uh, that one goes through, the uh, to to essentially try and knock you out, so that you don't go through um, the the nastiness of the uh, affair. Did Miss uh, Did Miss Lloyd stay on after the detox process as your nurse? Yes, she did. And when you were under Doctor Kipper's care, how often did you see Miss Lloyd? Um, on location every day. Um, yes, on location every day. Um, even when, a after um, a year or two, I, I would, I was still seeing her, at least on a bi-weekly basis, for two to three times a week. When did you start the detox process that you mentioned? I know. I know that it's. It, I believe it was around. It was in August, July or August, of uh, two thousand fifteen, fourteen. I cannot remember the year. Fourteen, I guess. And where were, where did you do this detox process? Um. Uh, we 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 did the we we, we the detox process. Uh, um, happened on, I have a, a place in the Bahamas. Um, I'm never comfortable saying this, but it, it's an island. <laughs> it's a very strange thing to say. Um, but I thought that that would be the best place, the most private um, place where there were no um, worries of um, paparazzi or any of that. So it was, it was a place where I could literally be the only place where I can have actual uh, anonymity. So I thought that would be the best place to, to do it. Who came with you down to the island for the detox? Um, Debbie, Nurse Debbie Lloyd uh, traveled with me on a, on a plane. Um, uh, Ms. Hurd, I, I, believe, I, believe that was, I believe that was it um, on the plane to to go to the island for the detox. I was not bringing um, security. I was not bringing assistance. Um, in, in, in fact, initially, my sister Christy uh, was, was going to uh, go there um, to help Ms. Lloyd and the doctor through the detox, which made perfect sense since that the, the whole thing had um, been born out of her uh, desire for me to get clean. Um, 
So initially it was supposed to be Christy coming um, in place of Ms. Hurd. I, there, was a, there was a great part of me that was uh, very uncomfortable with Ms. Hurd coming along for that um, detox uh, because as, as things could fluctuate very rapidly in our relationship, um, I, I, was, I was wary that, that those things would come up during what needed to be a very straight um, detoxification of, of, of these substances. And I was well aware that it was not going to be pleasant. I, I was well aware that, that I was going to go through quite a bit of uh, uh, physical changes, physical, um, yes, I, 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 was, I was afraid that it would be too much for her. And I also felt that she might be too much for me at the time. So then why did Ms. Hurd come down to the island with you during the detox process? Um, she insisted. She switched places with uh, Christy. Could you please describe for the jury, Mr. Depp, what it feels like to go through a detox from, from opioids? Um, I would say the best, way, the best way to describe it is it's, it feels like you're you're, it feels like the inside of you, the very inside of you, is trying to escape the body. So it's, um, it becomes obviously very physical. And so therefore, you'll go into a withdrawal would, would mean that you're, you would go into, um, you'd have immense cramps in your stomach, your muscles would seize. You, my body would shake. Um, the pain is uh, like nothing I've ever experienced before. Um, part of it was, so the, the best way to explain it, for example, there was a situation that uh, when we were on the island and I was going through the detox uh, and it was hitting pretty hard at that point. Um, and Ms. Hurd had made a deal with um, Nurse Debbie and Dr. Kipper to, to stay at their end of the island and that she would administer the drugs to me, it, it administer the medications that, that, that I needed to not go into um, the, for lack of a better word, the, 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 these intense, uh, sharp, painful heebie-jeebies. Uh, um, and there was a moment when I could feel my body starting to tense and I could feel the withdrawals coming on and they come on quick and uh, they're not, uh, they're not discreet. Um, they go straight for the jugular. I mean, the, 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 like I said, when, when your receptors are in full bloom and begging for the the, the, the substance, the drug, the, the, the opiates that, they, that my body had become used to, the, the, these um, receptors that were being fed by, 
um, there was a moment when uh, it was it, it was coming on very fast, and I and I I, I was sitting on a couch in, in the little house that we all saw on the island. Miss Heard was at the um, she was in the sort of kitchen area, and she was chopping vegetables. I remember, and I I, I, can't, I think it was around two thirty in the afternoon, and the effects of the withdrawals were really coming on. And I said to, um, I said to Miss Heard, uh, I'm going to need the meds now. And she said, uh, she looked at the clock and she said, it's not time. And I said, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. This is, this is not about clocks and watches and things. I'm going, I'm going into uh, the ship and it was visible. And, uh, I hate, I hate to have, I hate saying this, and I hate to have to admit this. But that was, uh, I believe that was about the lowest point in my life. That was the lowest I've ever felt as a, as a human being. Because I had to say, please, <laughs> Please, may I have the meds? Because it, it, it's really kicking in. And she was adamant. No, it's not time. It's not time. So, in, in explaining how these these uh, withdrawals start to take over your body, when I was begging at that point for the meds, I found that I had sort of rolled off the couch and I was sitting on the floor crying, I mean, tears streaming down my face, begging another human being to please, please give me the meds that will take this away. And she would not. She was adamant that, nope, it's not time, four o'clock. So the only thing that one can do in that situation is you have to trick the body. You have to, you have to manipulate your body out, away from those, well, you have to trick the body to get away from the receptors. So the only thing that one can do is you go straight to uh, the shower and um, you put it on scalding water and you stand underneath the scalding shower and essentially you're burning, the top you know, your skin is burning from the heat of the water, and what that would do is it would trick the nervous, the nerves away from the receptors because they had, now they had an immediate problem that needed to be dealt with, the nerves. So they, so what it does is the scalding shower would, would, would reverse those nerve endings and they would go up to the top of the skin uh, because there was a problem there. So that's, that's how you, that's how I would able to bypass um, those, those withdrawal symptoms at times. It, it doesn't fully take them away, but, but what it does is it tricks your body into, into thinking that there's something going horribly wrong on top. So it keeps them away from the receptors. Um, and um, after that, I had a conversation with Nurse Debbie and with Dr. Kipper, and I said, uh, <coughs> I don't believe, I told them that she had uh, 
denied me the meds when I was in need, and, uh, and then I told them that I don't think that this is going to work here anymore. I think we have to leave the island, and I need to be... We, we, she can't be with me while I'm going through the rest of this detoxification. So I told, I told them we should leave the island. Um, I told, I asked them if, uh, they under, if they understood what I was doing, and they did. So we went back to Los Angeles, and then I asked Ms. Hurd if she would please uh, allow me five days, seven days, whatever it took to get out of, to get done with, finished with the rest of this, 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 this horrific detox and the pain. Did Ms. Hurd give you that time? <laughs> she did, reluctantly, yes. I was, uh, I was immediately accused of throwing her out. I was accused of um, abandoning her. Um, I was accused of not appreciating all that she had done to get me to this point where I was, which was kind of an interesting argument for me. Uh, I begged her, please, can I, can I get a place at the Beverly Hills Hotel? I'll get you and your friends a bungalow at the Beverly Hills Hotel where you can all stay together and have a grand old flag. You can have fun, you can do whatever you want, and you don't have to sit around Mr. Uh, Shaky. And uh, she wasn't happy about it, but uh, I, it was necessary. So I, she did eventually um, leave for about five, five days or so, and I sat in a, uh, after a few days I sat in a, 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 a metal chair with one song on the, uh, one song on a loop that I could focus on the lyrics and the, the, the power of the song um, to help me get through it. And uh, even even once this, the, 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 the uh, effects, you, you know, started to go away, that is the pain, I was still in this, something strange that happens. You feel, you feel electricity in your body. You, you feel this electric, um, very foreign, um, and you're just sitting, sitting there like going through it. And I didn't understand what the electricity was um, until probably, and this lasted for, electricity, that, that, that feeling lasted for month, two months, and I finally realized at a certain point what that electricity was, and um, I was feeling, is that's what it was. I was actually feeling, um, without the aid of the drug, without the aid of any drugs. I, I mean, I had, I had refused with Dr. Kipper and Nurse Debbie and Amber at the table before she left uh, for the hotel with her friends, I, I had re refused to continue taking um, the phenobarbital and the lithium uh, because to me it was just another drug in the way. It, it seemed like it was just another hurdle to get over and I would rather just get it out of my system now and, and move forward. Maybe I wouldn't have had the electricity. Maybe I wouldn't have felt as quickly, but um, I, didn't, I didn't want to take phenobarbital and lithium and Seroquel 
and Neurontin and all these other things. Uh, and the worst of the two, I believe, were, were the, were the uh, phenobarbital and the lithium. So I just, I went through uh, that. So I'd say all in all, maybe there were, it seems like there could have been no more than 20 people, 25 people, maybe. Was there any alcohol served at the wedding? Yes, there was alcohol served at the wedding. There was champagne. There was all the accoutrements. And then, um, <clears throat> yes. And was anyone ingesting any illegal drugs at the wedding? Yes. And who was, who was doing that? Well, there was a... There was a schedule that was uh, written out and printed out and sent out um, so that everyone would know exactly the time that everything would happen. Um, and on that, on that sheet, um, the schedule, it, it would, it, there was um, uh, like some kind of rehearsal type thing. There was also, um, um, there was a, there was a great dilemma in who was going to be who. That's where the um, argument between uh, Ms. Pennington and uh, Io Tillett Wright. Uh, Mr. Depp, who, who did you observe taking drugs at the wedding? Um, a number of people uh, were taking um, MDMA. As I said, the, the the list. There was a after the wedding. There was a a, a it was like dinner, dancing, and drugs um, on the on on the schedule uh, that uh, came from Ms. Heard and Ms. Pennington. Um, so Amber, um, Raquel, um, a couple of friends of mine, um, Savannah. Her assistant, um, Tillett Wright, uh, all of her, all of her, uh, all of her gang were all um, were partaking in the of the MDMA. What if any MDMA did? What if any drugs did you take that day? Again, to, to be honest with you. Um, I was, I was, I mean, I don't know how much MDMA they had, but, uh, for me, that was, um, 
for, for me to have taken MDMA would have been a waste of the drug, if you, if you understand what I mean. It would have been essentially taking someone else's high because I, it, wouldn't, if, it wouldn't have an effect on me. So how many, how, much, how many drugs did you actually take that day? The day of our wedding? Yes. Um, I smoked marijuana and um, I don't remember drinking. I don't, I don't remember that I was drinking then. This was right, this was, this was right before she was going to London to do, I believe, London Fields. And I was going off to uh, Australia to do Pirates 5. Um, I'm pretty positive at that point I wasn't uh, uh, partaking of alcohol. Um, my drug of choice is, uh, or was, is marijuana. Uh, um, it's, that's all I, that was fine for me. Um, so so dipping into a, a, a little tiny baggie of, you know, licking your finger and dipping into a little tiny communal bag of MDMA, it, it wasn't gonna, it was pointless for me. When you and Ms. Heard got married, did you have a prenuptial agreement in place? No, we did not, no. And why not? Um, there always seemed to be some reason or another why she wouldn't, either wouldn't discuss it or if we did discuss it, it became an issue that would turn into a, um, it would springboard into unpleasantness and then arguments. Um, and, and then it was also too late. At a certain point, it was just too late. So then the idea of a post-nup agreement was brought up to Ms. Heard, and that was in Australia. That was, that was the beginning of uh, the Australian Well, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about Australia then. Um, but first of all, why were you in Australia? I was, I was working on Pirates of the Caribbean 5. And who from your team was with you in Australia? Je uh, Jerry Judge, Malcolm Connolly, uh, Nathan Holmes, Stephen Duders, Keenan Wyatt. I believe that was it. Oh, uh, and, and yeah, yeah, no, that's it. Was Miss Lloyd in Australia with you as well? Oh, yes, yes, sorry, yes. Miss Lloyd, yes, Miss Lloyd traveled to Australia with us. And did Dr. Kipper come down to Australia at any point? Yeah, he, Dr. Kipper down, came down uh, a bit later. Uh, Mr. Wyatt testified yesterday that he observed you have a meeting with Sean Bailey in, in Australia. Do you remember that? Yes. And could you please tell the jury who Sean Bailey is? Sean Bailey at that time was I believe he was the I believe he was the number three uh, the number three man at Disney in terms of hierarchy he was a uh, upper echelon Disney so he was under Bob Iger um, and initially under Dick Cook who was removed from Disney um, for some reason so yes he, he's a uh, he was number three man at Disney and why were you having a discussion with Mr. Bailey 
Um, the discussions that I would, uh, was having with Mr. Bailey, with Sean Bailey, were um, they had to do with, well, as, as I think we've established, you know, I have uh, always, from the beginning of those, the set series of films, I, w I, I had always rewritten um, my, my character's words and jokes, if you will, um, and situational comedy and things that I would add. And uh, Mr. Bailey was very complimentary about some of the things that I'd done. He'd, uh, you know, he'd come over to me laughing after Check a take. Calls for hearsay. Your Honor, this is just discussing generally what they were talking about. He was specific. I'll sustain that. Continue. That's fine. Mr. Depp, was Ms. Hurd in Australia with you? She came a little later, yes. Do you recall when she came down? I don't recall. Oh, 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 well, no, I do recall. It was March. It was March. And what happened when Ms. Hurd came to visit you in Australia? Um, Ms. Hurd was upset because, uh, 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 as I stated earlier, as it was too late for a prenup agreement, there, there was a discussion of postnup agreement. And I had called my lawyer at the time and asked him if, if he could have one of, his, uh, one of his lawyers sit down with Ms. Hurd and, and give her a, a basic rundown of what a postnuptial agreement uh, meant, and and they. Sh Briefly, one more time. This is mentor lawyer. I have this playing live on both of my channels right now because this is live. I'm today is May 6, 2022. It is 1:38 p.m. Eastern in Tallahassee, Florida, where I'm based. What we're doing is something the jury cannot do, but we're going back and taking a look at some of the key testimony from Johnny Depp so that we can reevaluate it in light of the additional evidence that came in after he got off the witness stand and so that we can also reassess or reevaluate the testimony of Amber Heard during the last couple of days and compare to his testimony because there's going to be a credibility issue and that's a key component of this trial so we can go back and take a look. I'm here watching it with you guys because I'm interested in doing that and going back and looking at the testimony of Johnny Depp and reevaluate it. I'm doing it at 1.25 speed because that's what I do when I do a speedy trial. <clears throat> Excuse me and I also skip through the breaks. I would like you guys to instead of keep asking the same question over and over a hundred times is this live the best question would be, hey, you know, listen to this testimony again and compare it to what we heard later, basically make substantive comments about the credibility of this testimony or about Ember's testimony. And that's the purpose of this. You have a live chat and you can talk about the trial and your opinions based on everything that has come in so far. The trial will resume on May 16. So there's going to be a break next week. My understanding is that the judge has to attend the conference. And that's why there's no trial for a week. It will resume May 16 at 9 a.m. So I'm gonna continue playing this and at the end I'm also gonna play a little 
episode done by the channel Absolutely Criminal, which partners with me. So I'm going to show it to you guys so you can take a look at their episode about the case. And then you can subscribe to that channel if you like what you see. I think it's pretty awesome, so I hope you'll like and subscribe. So let's resume watching Johnny Depp. I was told that they showed Objection. her. Your Honor, this is what, uh, uh, something he asked an attorney. It's not a, a statement of fact that's being offered for its truth. Yeah, I'll sustain the objection. Okay. Next question. What did Ms. Hurd tell you she was upset about when she arrived in Australia? Ms. Hurd told me that the attorney that she met with was um, rude and dismissive and all she was being shown was a uh, an example of a, a post-nuptial agreement. Ms. Heard then stated to me that she was very upset. She stated to me that um, that she, she, what she had said was she said to the lawyer, the woman, that this um, Johnny can't, he, he must not, he, he doesn't know about this. He, he's never seen, he doesn't know that this is what this is. He, no way he would agree to this. Um, and what Mr. then expressed to me was that the lawyer, the woman, had laughed at her and said, oh, he knows. Yes, he knows everything. Um, which sent her into a, a tailspin. So by the time she arrived in Australia, that was uh, sunk very deep into her her psyche. Um, I mean, so much so that what really what really surprised me was that she kept saying, "I'm not even in your will. I'm not even in your will." I thought that was an odd thing to say, um, especially since I, I, I don't think anybody had had time to change wills or anything of that nature. Um, so th those things just didn't, it felt uh, wrong. And, and she could not let go of the fact that uh, I was in on this uh, post-nup agreement and that I was trying to trick her into uh, essentially getting nothing if, uh, if something were to happen. And how did you respond to Ms. Hurd? I just told her those were not my intentions, uh, you know. And at a, a certain point, you don't know what to do. I mean, it's, it's a, the person is telling you, she's telling you, you don't trust me, you don't trust me, you don't trust me. And um, I, I can't speak about legal documents. I can't speak legalese. I can't explain to her these things. All I could do was try to calm her down and say that, I was not out to screw her over or, or, or put her in a position that was, uh, was uncomfortable. Did that work? These were stock, normal things to do. It did not work, no. It escalated and escalated and turned into uh, madness, chaos, can you please violence. Can you please describe that chaos and violence? Yes. she. she she was irate. She, she, she was irate and she was possessed. Uh, and when I tried to remove myself as I normally would from a situation, 
And that is to say, you know, as she's hammering me with with uh, sort of brutal, brutal words and and uh, you know, you know, I, I don't pardon my language, but I remember that uh, it wasn't nice sort of being called an ass-kisser to lawyers or, or, uh, or uh, a pussy um, that didn't fight for her or stand up for her. Um, um, I, again, tried to remove myself from the situation, um, but to no avail. As I, I, I literally, the house that they had rented for me in Australia was quite a large place. It was quite a bit of a labyrinth, you know, and a lot of rooms, a lot of extra rooms. So I would go to, well, I'll, I'll just cut to the chase. I, I think that I ended up locking myself in about at, le at least nine bedrooms, bathrooms that day um, as she was banging on the doors and screaming obscenities and wanting to uh, have a physical altercation. So how did it come to be that your finger became injured? There was at one point where I'd, I'd stayed in one of the, you know, sitting on a bathroom floor, door locked, she's banging away, banging away, screaming, blah, 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 and then suddenly she stopped and I could hear her walk away. I could hear her sort of receding into the distance, if you will, and. I, I, you know, yes, I, so, 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 yes, it became very emotional because I, you can't win for losing. There was nothing I could do to, to make her understand that I had, if that lawyer had in fact done that, and I did call my lawyer uh, at the time, Jake Bloom, and I had him get these people on the phone. And I, uh, I'm ashamed to say that I had taken, at that point when, we were, when I was on the phone with him, I had taken Miss Hurd's words to heart. And, um, and I laid out a ration of, of um, very, uh, uh, I was very upset that she was pushed to that limit because I had believed it. Um, and uh, in fact, none of it had happened. So uh, it was all getting too crazy. And again, I've been sober for many, many months from alcohol and substances, aside from the marijuana. Um, and I got, I left the place, the, the room that I was hiding in, or not hiding, locked myself into. And I went downstairs in the house. There was downstairs in the house. As soon as you walk in the house, you can go upstairs or downstairs. Downstairs, there was a sort of a rec, rec area, pool table and such. And, uh, and there was a uh, bar. And uh, I, was, um, I was a mess. I was a wreck. I was shaking. And I just didn't understand why all this was happening. So. I went behind the bar, I grabbed a bottle of vodka that was there and a shot glass and sat at the bar, 
she was nowhere around. And I poured myself two or three stiff shots of, uh, of the vodka, first taste of alcohol I'd had in a long time. And um, then she came down to the bar and found me there. And of course started screaming, oh, you're drinking again, yeah, the monster and all that. Um, so she reached, she, she, she walked up to me and reached and grabbed the, the bottle of vodka and then just uh, kind of stood back and then hurled it at me. And, and it, it, uh, it just went right past my head and smashed behind me. Uh, so I stood up and I walked behind the bar and there was a larger bottle of vodka, the kind with the handle, you know, on it. I grabbed that and I went and I sat in my seat again. I opened the bottle and I poured myself a shot and drank it. Miss Hurd was flinging insults uh, left, right and center and she then grabbed that bottle and, uh, and threw that at me. Um, and the way that the, the way that the bar was situated and w w where Miss Herb was. So if, 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 if I could show you, so if, if this is the bar where the glass was and the bottles, if this was the bar and I'm sitting here like this, she would grab the bottle and she would go there, she went there. And so I was leaning like this in the chair looking at her, first bottle went, then got the other bottle shot, takes the second bottle, which is the larger one. I'm in this position again, and my, my hand is on the edge of the, the bar, like, like that, you know, leaning over the fingers, like that, and uh, she threw the large bottle, and it made contact and shattered uh, everywhere. And I honestly didn't, I didn't feel the pain at first at all. I felt no pain whatsoever. What I felt was, um, I felt heat. I felt heat and I felt um, as if something were dripping down my hand, you know. Um, and then I looked down and realized that the, the, the tip of my finger had been severed and uh, I was, looking directly at my bones sticking out and uh, the, the, the meaty portion of your, the inside of your finger. The, um, and it was, it, blood was just uh, pouring out. And at that point, I, 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 I think that I, went into some sort of, I, I don't know what a nervous breakdown feels like, but that's probably the closest that I've ever been. I didn't, nothing made sense. And I knew in my mind and in my heart, this is, this is not life. This is not life. <laughs> no one should have to go through this. And, and as I said, this, this 
feeling of nervous, being in, an, in the middle of some sort of nervous breakdown, I started to write with my blood, in my own blood, on the, on the walls. Um, little reminders from our past that essentially represented lies that she had told me and lies that I had caught her in. Um, and, uh, and, and then I did the next thing, uh, you know, I, amongst all the madness, I, I, I would again hide in the bathroom or wherever, and I texted Dr. Kipper and I said, you might want to come over, uh, you know, I've cut my finger off here. Which finger was, was cut, Mr. Depp? Um, it's the, the middle, it's the funny looking one. It's the middle finger here. You can see the, well, you can see all the, the sort of, the, the, from the initial wound, this, this, all these bones up here were crushed and it looked like a, it looked like Vesuvius, you know, and um, so this, this, this part of my finger now is, so that, because of not having use of the tip here, uh, this is um, basically uh, arthritis that kicks into the joint once that, once that uh, upper part of the finger is mangled. So is that the right middle finger? Right middle, yes. And is that your dominant hand? Uh, yes, it is, yes. Mr. Depp, after Ms. Hurd threw the vodka bottle at you and severed your finger, um, what, if anything, did she say when she saw the injury? I don't recall anything, but just, uh, it was almost like white noise, just someone yelling. It was just a, was just a high-pitched, constant um, attack of, of insults. Of, it was just jumbled words to me in, in a very high frequency, and I, 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 I was in a bit of shock, you know. I was in shock. You mentioned that you reached out to Dr. Kipper. Did you receive medical attention after that? Yes. Um, uh, Jerry Judge, Malcolm Connolly, I believe Debbie Lloyd was there. Yes, Debbie Lloyd was there. Um, ben King had arrived as well. Who is Ben King? Uh, ben King uh, was, he, he's, he's essentially, he's a house so sort of a, an estate manager, and he, I, we worked together in London a, a few times, and uh, uh, he's a wonderful guy. So I brought brought uh, Ben along to Australia to to manage everything. He's very, he's very very good, very nice. Um, and then there was also, uh, oh yeah, I mentioned Malcolm and Jerry. Yeah, they were there as well. Which, if any of the medical professionals that you saw that day, did you tell what happened to your finger? I, when Malcolm and um, Dr. Kip, when they took me to, first, first we went to Malcolm's apartment where he was staying while we were shooting the film uh, and tried to clean uh, my hand because I had worked the day before and Obviously, when you're playing a pirate, Captain Jack or whatever, they, 
you're you're covered. You're, they paint with on with alcohol, um, with rubbing alcohol. They paint dirt all into your hands and into your face and everything. So they were they were worried about getting my finger clean. So they tried doing that at Malcolm's, and then Chip said, no, "We got to get to emergency room," and we got to get hold of the tip of his finger. So we went to the emergency room. Um, the doctor asked me what happened, <clears throat> and uh, I lied to him. I said that I had uh, smashed it in, um, in, in these large accordion doors that had got caught in the accordion doors. Why would uh, you lie about that? I lied because I, I did not, I didn't feel, I, I didn't want to disclose that it was what it was. I, I didn't want to disclose that it had been, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to disclose that it had been misheard, that it had thrown the, thrown a vodka bottle at my, at me and then took my finger off. I didn't want to get her in trouble. I didn't want to, I, I tried to uh, just keep things as copacetic and as, as easy as possible for everyone. I, I did I did not want to put her name in that in that mix. Did you tell Dr. Kipper what had actually happened to your finger? Yes. After you returned from the hospital, where did you go? I went to Malcolm Connolly's um, apartment uh, and uh, slept on his couch. And to the extent that you know, where was Miss Heard during this time? Um, Miss Heard. Uh, was I, I wasn't there, but I, I had. A, it was clear that she had to. Uh, she needed to leave, and uh, I'd asked them to get her on a flight from Melbourne or Sydney or wherever back to Los Angeles. Why did you ask for that? I I didn't want to see her. I, I didn't. I didn't want to see her. I didn't want to have any more arguments. I was, uh, for all intents and purposes, I was just done. Mr. Depp, I'd like to show you a picture. If we could please pull up Plaintiff's Exhibit 145. What is this a picture of? That is, uh, that's me in the emergency room. Uh, I see, uh, I see a detail that I forgot, I'd forgotten, which is the, the Ms. Hurd had pulled, taken my cigarette from the ashtray and uh, stomped it out in my face here. Do you mark on the screen where you see that? Um, it's right above that green dot. And do you know who took that this picture? I do not know. Uh, can we please publish this to the jury? Do you want to enter into evidence? Yes, please. Any objection? No. All right. One forty-five in evidence. You can publish to the jury. And so. 
Mr. Depp, now that the jury can see the photograph, can you again explain um, what that green dot is identifying? Um, just above the, above, just above the green, the green dot is a, 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 a wound uh, from uh, Ms. Hurd taking my cigarette and, and um, this is after the finger had gone away um, and she stubbed it out in my, in, in, in my face, in, on, on my cheek. That's the uh, result of that. If we could please take this um, down, and I'd like to show you, Mr. Depp, um, Plaintiff's Exhibit 144. Yep. That's, um, what is this, a picture of Mr. Depp? The remains of my finger. And was this taken shortly after you were injured? The following day, uh, I was sent to a, they found a, a, a surgeon uh, in, uh, in Australia um, so that I could go, they wanted me to take x-rays taken and, and uh, all that. Uh, so we went to that doctor, the finger surgeon, um, and uh, he asked me what happened to my finger. And I again lied. And I stuck to the story that uh, it was smashed in an accordion, a large accordion door. And he looked at me as if I were uh, lying. And the next thing I heard was, Sir, that is a wound of velocity. And, um, Your Honor, this is a communication in the context of medical treatment. I'll sustain the objection. Moving on. Um, so, so, Mr. Depp, this was a surgeon you saw in Australia? Yes. Um, when did you return to Los Angeles after seeing that surgeon? Well, I believe it was probably the next day um, where might have been Kipper, someone who who had hooked me up with a, a, a wonderful, sir, a great uh, expert in um, reconstruction of uh, you know hand uh, hands, fingers, digits, whatever. Uh, so I went to see the surgeon, and um, we prepped for surgery, uh, you know, pretty quickly. And. What type of surgery did you have on your finger? Um, the, the majority of this was all uh, missing and, and essentially to some degree hollowed out, if you will, because the bone had shattered. And um, then there was the bone that was sticking out down there. Um, so he had to take take do a skin graft from from this part of my hand uh, and graft it um, onto my finger um, to 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 uh, to give me a finger again anything else that was done to your finger to stabilize it um 
I don't think it was initially that they put the pin in. I think the pin feels like the pin came later. I can't. I, I'm not sure, but um, you just. Uh, I had to go after the surgery. Um, it was bandaged up, and they, you know they give you all kinds of things on what to do, what not to do keep it elevated or this or that. And uh, I just uh, walked away with a very large uh, middle finger. <laughs> it was all wrapped up to like this and then, you know, uh, Medicaid, they've given me shots in there and such. How long did you wear that bandage that you just described? Well, the, ba the bandage was f from the time of the surgery all the way through the remainder of finishing parts of the Caribbean, which was, uh, I think I finished, the injury took place in March, finished parts of the Caribbean 5, I believe, in August, beginning of August, end of July. So there was a bandage on it the whole time. What I had to do was um, wear because of um, there's a special effects um, a trick that they had planned. Basically, the, whatever bandage I had on, as long as they could, they would put more, uh, little green dots, for example, on the on the splint and the finger and all that and the bandages, so that in post production they could use what's called uh, com computer generated imagery (CGI) to to erase the bandage uh, and put a, replace it with a normal finger. Um, that's how we finished the film. If we could please pull up plaintiff's exhibit 61. <clears throat> and if we could scroll to the second picture or third. Can you keep going one more, please? Uh, another. Sorry, this is a series of pictures. And to spare everyone, I don't think I'll show you the, um, the immediate injury again. This right one right here. Thank you. Um, Mr. Depp, do you recognize this picture? Yes, I do. And what's reflected in this picture? Uh, this was taken in the uh, surgeon's office. Um, where I'd go in, well, I had to go in every couple of few days to have it checked out um, for infections and such. Uh, and this, this, so the, the, the finger, finger, non-finger, was uh, wrapped quite heavily and there was this medicated, uh, kind of greasy medicated thing on, on top of the wound itself. Um, and this, I believe, seems like when the pin was in here, uh, and the the wrapping is uh, the bandage is. Uh, well, I had my choice, you know, and uh, I thought, well, may as well take the kitty bandages, you know, dinosaurs and hearts and unicorns. <laughs> as okay. I said, you know, at okay. least at least uh, have some humor uh, to deflect the pain. 
Uh, Your Honor, I'd like to move um, Plaintiff's Exhibit 61 into evidence. Do you want the whole exhibit or just this picture? Um, if we could publish uh, the whole exhibit. Yeah, the whole picture, yeah. the whole exhibit. Any, any objection to 61? No, Your Honor. All right, 61, but you just want to publish this part of 61. Yes. Okay, thank you. So how long after the, your injury was this picture taken? After the initial injury? Yes. I'd say no, no, no more than, it would seem to me, no more than five days a week. And how long was, was this bandage on your hand for? Uh, well, I was wearing bandages all the way up until I finished the film and then um, yeah, through, through, up through August for sure and then beyond I, I had to keep it, uh, I had to keep it covered, I had to keep it protected. Do you recall how long after the injury that the, excuse me, how long after the surgery the pins were removed from your finger? I would say maybe, I think it was about two or three days because I remember that there was maybe more, but I just remember that the pain seemed to be getting worse and worse as Debbie would rate it, you know, from a, is this an eight out of 10? Is this a three out of 10? That kind of thing. Um, at a certain point, it, 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 it became uh, kind of a 12 out of 10 because it, it felt it felt hot, very 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 hot, and it felt uh, there was there, it was there was throbbing. It was like a th it was throbbing, and the pin in there. Uh, it was like I could feel the pin in there. So I, I, I we called the surgeon. I called the surgeon, told him. Actually, I think it might have been Debbie Lloyd. Actually, they called, but, but uh, I knew I had to see the surgeon again because something felt very wrong. And I went there and he removed all the bandages and he found that, um, that my finger was indeed infected uh, and that I'd uh, contracted uh, MRSA, uh, MRSA, um, which is like a, I believe it's like the flesh-eating disease or something. But it, it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty grotesque sight um, after that. Well, with the pin in and what they had to do to save it. Mr. Depp, um, while your finger was injured and healing, did you ever take any opiates during that time? No, ma'am. No, no, no. No more. Um, Your Honor, I was, I'm about to switch gears, so it, right. it makes we sense to that. take our lunch break. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and take our, our lunch break. We'll come back at 2 o'clock. Just make sure you do not discuss the case and do not do any outside research, and we'll see you at 2. Sir, since you're still testifying, you cannot discuss your testimony with your attorneys or with anybody else, okay? All right. See everybody at two?
Johnny Depp's defamation lawsuit against Amber Heard entered day number 12, feeling more like the 12th episode of a Netflix original crime series. For better or for worse, the trial has captivated the world. As the witness parade for the plaintiff continued Monday, it was Amber who attracted all the eyes, and the brains behind them were buzzing with anticipation of her testimony. Find out what happened next on this absolutely criminal special, Depth v. Heard. So a nurse, a security guard, and an entertainment lawyer walk into a courtroom. But this was no joke, as the dozenth day of Depp v. Heard got underway with security guard Travis McGivern. He was with the superstar duo one night in March of 2015. It was the night Amber and Johnny returned from Australia, and Travis noticed a large bandage wrapped around the actor's hand. Johnny didn't reveal it that night but he later claimed Amber used a vodka bottle as a weapon, severing the tip of his finger. Amber countered that Johnny had damaged the digit himself. After all, he was always threatening this sort of thing. Travis was trying to abscond with his boss when, according to him, Amber burst through the penthouse door and made an already devolving situation more dangerous. It had happened before, he said, when Amber barred the door with her body so he and Johnny couldn't leave. But on this night, he alleged, Amber was in a rage. She did breach those decadent penthouse doors, and she discovered her impaired partner was chucking her clothing off the mezzanine level to the floor below. The Aquaman actress took umbrage at the explosive display put on by her husband. She was agitated. Mr. Depp was agitated. Uh, I felt it was time to get Mr. Depp out of the situation. So I stepped in between Miss Heard and Mr. Depp, um, telling Mr. Depp that we were that we were leaving and that it wasn't up to him anymore. Um, at that point, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a, a fist and an arm come across my right shoulder and uh, I heard and saw a closed fist um, contact Mr. Depp in the left side of his face. And whose fist was that? That was Miss Heard's fist, Amber Heard's fist. Around the time of that trip to Australia, Amber's nurse Erin Filati was summoned by the star, who said she was experiencing increased anxiety. She said of one incident in December of 2015, Amber's lip was bleeding. Client had visible bright red blood appearing at center of lower lip. When RN made client aware that she actively, was actively bleeding on her lip, client stated it was from injury sustained in the, and then it's blank, you see that? And then we keep going down in the argument between her and her husband, and then it continues to bleed actively. You wrote that? Yes. And then you also wrote clients also states that her head is bruised and that she lost clumps of hair and altercation. You wrote that? I assume so. It's in my notes. Okay. 
And then you wrote, Arn briefly looked at client's scalp, but was unable to visualize the, hemato the hematomas client had described. You wrote that? Yes, I would agree. As for the entertainment lawyer, Richard Marks, he was right here waiting for his testimony today. He said that an actor in Hollywood having the power of Me Too wielded against him was a dead man. Citing other sullied stars, he said there was no coming back once that moniker was a monkey on his back. What I'm saying is Hollywood got the, uh, the, the subject matter of the, of the, of the op-ed loud and clear. Amber Heard was calling out Hollywood for supporting, uh, uh, since, since 2016, supporting her abuser, and uh, uh, she felt the wrath of Hollywood. She was calling them out to do something. In the Washington Post and um, on the eve of her biggest uh, film, a big film for Hollywood, the publicity machine was in high gear. There was uh, lots of publicity and uh, uh, news out there. This was the height of, of her fame, and she used it at that moment to call Hollywood out. They, uh, in my opinion, as a member of Hollywood, they heard uh, that plea loud and clear, uh, and um, uh, it also got her publicity for her movie. So we know there is at least one more day of death before the defendant takes to the stand. Will her performance flop or flourish? Let us know in the comments and we will be back tomorrow. Come back and find out whether or not day 13 will be a lucky one for us when Amber at last is heard. Thanks for watching. Until next time, mental lawyer. Sorry, I'm enjoying my lunch. Have a good one. Thanks for coming. Thanks for chatting. Um, I'll try to revisit some more of Johnny Depp's testimony when I have a chance. But I'm heading off to a vacation, so hopefully soon. See you next time, mental lawyer.